You're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast with Lee Fulford, where questions about the Bible meet real life. Hello, hello, this is Lee Fuller, and welcome to the Bible in Real Life podcast. I am so glad to be here, and I hope you are too. Today, we're going to walk through something that I've been meaning to do for a while, and now that I have my own podcast, I get a chance to do it, right? So we're going to talk about the characters, and we're going to look at some of the characters of Christmas, right? I mean, we're familiar with, with the story. Many of us are familiar with the story. But I want to dig a little bit into the characters so we can see the Christmas story from a perspective of real life of the characters that's involved. Okay, so if you're up for it, I'm here for it. And let's go. All right. So um, Christmas time is coming up and and I thought about doing a, you know, uh, probably next year I may do. Um, commercialism or Santa Claus and all that. But this time I really want to get into the characters of Christmas. And the first character we're going to learn about is Joseph, because I wanted, I want us to pull this from just a biblical story into a real life scenario, right? So the story of Joseph is found in, um, in Matthew. Why Matthew? Because Matthew Uh, looks at the gospel for Jesus as the Messiah, right? So if Jesus was going to be the Messiah, he would need to come through a certain lineage. He would need to be recognized by the Jews as someone that could be the Messiah, right? So Matthew goes out to seek this point. So let's see how Matthew starts. So when you go to Matthew, Matthew starts with the genealogy, right? Boring, fell asleep right? (laughs) That's what most people think when they think of genealogy. I'm not going to be able to go into it, but go through and read in the genealogies because you see the world and many aspects of people that are non-Jews represented in, in the lineage of Jesus showing that in fact, he would incorporate and encompass majority of the world. But that's not where we're starting. We're going to start Let's go. I'm going to see if I can pull this up, trying to do some new stuff. So if you're watching the video, I'm sharing it on the screen here. But we're in Matthew chapter 1, um, verse 18, and it says, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary, who had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and willing to, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken to the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Okay, so let me get back on camera. So as we're looking at the situation, we see Joseph. The first character I want to talk about today is Joseph. And the Bible says a couple things about Joseph. First, 
it says that Joseph was betrothed to Mary. Okay, so um, betrothed is is kind of that in between. They're married, or it's like you've paid the dowry, you're engaged. That is your wife, right? You haven't had the wedding date, but the diary's been ex- exchanged, and for all intent for um. It's it's gonna happen, right? This is for all intents and purposes, my wife, except for the physical connection and the and the marriage actually happening. So <clears throat> it's interesting. It says, um, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph being an unwilling man. Back up, hold up. So wait a minute. Mary, so, and, and I, I don't know how it became to be discovered, right? But it says, um, so you mean to tell me that the woman I'm about to marry is pregnant? And I know it's not my baby. I know, Joseph's like, I know it's not my baby. And, and Mary is like, hey, this is uh, the baby of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, Joseph, I believe, knew scripture. And nowhere in scripture do we have a Holy Spirit baby, right? So it's like, um, okay, this sounds a little suspect. And what I thought was interesting is, um, so when you look at Jewish law, Joseph has a decision to make, okay? When... Um, um, in Deuteronomy 24, I believe, when this situation happens, there's an opportunity for a, a man to go a couple ways. Number one, he can pull her out in front of the Pharisees or in front of the council and say, hey, this woman is in adultery. We're married. There is a baby here. So he could bring her up and accuse her in front of everybody of adultery. And we have a stoning situation or we have a public disgrace, a public shame, a public probably stoning of young Mary. Right. So that's option one, you know, and it's interesting because um, we see the character of Joseph here because Joseph hasn't talked to an angel yet. No one has given him context. No one has explained the situation to Joseph. It says that it became known um, before they came together, she was found to be with child, right? So this is an op- This is an option, a legitimate, a, a real option. And you, there may have even been those friends that's like, hey, you know what I would do? You know what I would do? But someone that betrayed your trust, someone that blah, 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 right? He could have taken her to before the council, accused her of adultery and uh, asked that she be stoned. But the Bible says, Joseph, her husband, Joseph, being a just man or being a righteous man, and unwilling to put her to shame. He said, you know what? I'm going to take the second option. The second option is to put her away quietly. Deuteronomy 24.1 says you can hand her a bill of divorce if there's indecency 
uh, found within her, right? So you can go the public route or you can do the private route. Now, both of them are shameful. Both of them um, have acknowledged the fact that something has gone wrong, right? But Joseph, being a just man, decided, you know what? Instead of blowing her up on Twitter, instead of pulling her in front of the congregation, you know what? I'm going to handle this in secret and put her away privately. That way, not to disgrace. Let me ask you, when your faith uh, in someone has been challenged, right? When your trust in someone has been broken, are you of the type that will openly disgrace embarrass and shame someone that you loved or had loved so much so that you were in a relationship with them? Or do you say, you know what? I love you and I don't want to embarrass you or shame you. So I'll put you away privately. That's the decision that Joseph made, right? And when I see when he took out of these two options, he took the discreet the graceful option. We see, okay, this is why God chose this man to be the earthly father of his children, right? So he had resolved to divorce her quietly, but as he considered these things, you know what? How am I going to do this most gracefully, the most respectfully, then the Lord shows up or the angel of the Lord appeared to him saying, Joseph, son of David. Ha! He called him Joseph, son of David. Why? Because he is confirming that Joseph, you are of the kingly heritage of David. Okay. And the promise of the Messiah was to come through the line of David, right? So when she says, hey, this is the Holy Spirit's baby, right? Then when the angel comes, he confirms that, hey, Joseph, you're of the princely line of David, right? You're of the family of David. Um, so just kind of reiterating that this child is the Messiah. This child will be the king. Uh, and it says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Why would Joseph fear? Why would Joseph be fearful to, to take this? Number one, the fear of ridicule, the fear of, okay, Joseph know, knew how he felt before the angel explained the situation, right? But the angel wasn't going to go explain the situation to everybody else. So he's like, hey, Joseph, don't fear to do this. And I know the shame that you're going to have to endeavor. Everybody is not going to believe your story. The angel is not going to come and tell everybody the situation. Um, so you're going to have to endure the shame of it. Um, and he says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Joseph, for he shall save his people. All, um, all this took place to fulfill the law, which was spoken by the prophets. 
And as we, the first character we look at, we see Joseph and we see that Joseph was given a tremendous responsibility to steward and take care of the incarnate Christ. We don't know very much about Joseph, but what we can see here is we see that he was a just man. He see that in the in the face of um, decision, he chooses not to make an open disgrace of those he loved. But not understanding at first initially, but he said, I'm going to put her away quietly. And then the Lord came and confirmed and said, hey, you are a son of David. The Messiah can come through your line. And this is, in fact, the Messiah. And that is why um, I'm encouraged. And I like this story of Joseph. He's kind of this unsung hero. We don't know much about Joseph, but what we do know is that his desire was to obey God. Because watch this. Um, um, so let's see. <clears throat> All this took place that the Lord was spoken by the prophets. Um, let's look at verse 24. Uh, let's look at verse 24. It says, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth. So <clears throat> the angel comes in, tells him the situation, and Joseph said, yes. Joseph was willing to accept this mission. Joseph was willing to endure whatever it would take um, to do this. What about you? Sometimes um, God gives us an assignment. God calls us for a specific purpose. Um, God saw you fit to carry this cross. God saw Joseph fit to carry out this assignment. And when given the opportunity, Joseph said yes. Now, what was Joseph signing up for? <laughs> Joseph was signing up for denying himself. Right. The Bible said he knew her not um, until she had given birth to his son. So he for forsook his honeymoon and all the stuff that happens at honeymoons and all that because of this was a special assignment that I have from God. So I'm going to still marry her and deny myself until this child is born. Um. He also, uh, stuff that he didn't even know he was signing up for. He didn't know that Herod was going to try to kill him and he would have to pack up his whole family and move to Egypt. He was signing up to protect the light, to protect the son of God. He was signing up to bear the shame of everybody not understanding this situation. He signed up to... Uh, carry his cross and walk this out. Joseph is a unsung hero of the Christian story. And Joseph is the first character that we wanted to highlight. So another character that we want to highlight is found in Luke. So when we go over to Luke, we see uh, in Luke chapter one, 
we see an interesting story. And this story is the story of Elizabeth and Zachariah. Okay. So uh, let's, let's pull it up and let's read some of the story of Elizabeth and Zachariah. So in the days of Herod, King Agrippa, there was a priest named Zachariah of the division of Abijah. So um, a vision of Abijah, and he had a wife uh, from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So most of us know the story, so I'm just going to kind of go through the highlights. In the New Testament, right? Well, so let me kind of tell you a little bit about how the priesthood worked. So there was 24 families or divisions, right? It says he was of the division of Abijah. There was about 24 families. And the priesthood had grown so big. So in the families, and then there was about 300 or so priests in each family, right? So uh, because the priests were, were the ones that would serve at the temple, they would rotate service, right? So every two weeks, another uh, division or another priest another group would go serve at the temple, okay? Um, and now it was time for Abijah's group and in a, the division of Abijah, among those 300 that would go serve at the temple, Zechariah was his turn. And then they would cast lots, right? To see who would have which, um, who would have, um, which assignment, right? Once they got there. So the lot fell on Elijah to go burn incense on the altar, to Zechariah, to go burn incense on the altar. This was a once in a lifetime event, right? You didn't, because there were so many, a priest didn't get to do this twice, right? So this was uh, Zechariah's big moment, right? It says that Zechariah and his wife, they were righteous before the Lord. It says they were blameless of the commandments. So they did what God asked them to do. They followed the commandments. They were faithful believers. They were faithful priests, right? He and his wife. And when I look at that, I see, wow, what an example of, of servanthood. What an example of, of being a servant of God, a priest. The Bible says they were righteous, the commandments. But the Bible says in Luke 1, 7, they had no children. And many times in that culture, being barren was, was looked down upon. You know, oh man, a simple command from scripture from the very beginning, right? Uh, be fruitful and multiply. So if, you, if there was an inability to do that, many times that was seen as a negative, as a bad thing. And I'm like, man, God, they're faithful. They're righteous. You call them blameless. They followed the statues, but they had this issue. Elizabeth was barren and they both were getting old in years. Um, so the lot falls to Zechariah. Zechariah goes into um, the holy place. He goes into the temple to burn incense and the angel is standing there. An angel is standing there. Now, listen, 
there hasn't been before this time, and I believe before this time, there hadn't been open revelation from God, right? Angels hadn't been coming and speaking before this time, right? Um, in, in, in over 400 years, right? So when, when the priest sees this, he falls down and worships. Oh my goodness. He falls down and prays before he falls down and worship and he's fearful. You know, these angels are not like, like we were like, Oh, an angel of the Lord is, is near us. You know, we want to walk in and with our head up looking at him in the face and stuff, you know, back then there was this awesome fear and reverence when you saw an angel right? We, we've kind of demystified. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, there's an angel, right? But there was fear and trembling when, when they saw these angels. But anyway, um, the angel says to him, um, near the altar, uh, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. He fe Fear fell upon him. But the angel said, do not fear, Zechariah. Verse 13, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been answered. Your prayer has been answered. Now, at first, <clears throat> I, I find this, I find this so fascinating because um, what prayer, what prayer has been answered? Watch this. Uh, Zechariah is going to fulfill his priestly duties. So the prayer that he's praying is the prayer for redemption. The prayer that he's um, making for the people is the prayer that God's will be done, that the Redeemer would come, that Israel would be redeemed. They're praying for the coming Messiah, for the redemption of Israel. And God sent an angel to say, Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. Amen. Hallelujah. You've been faithful to the scriptures. You've been studying God's word. And God is letting the people know that the Messiah is coming. Your prayer for redemption has been answered. Amen. But watch this. Not only does God answer the macro prayer, the prayer that will that that the whole world has been looking for, that the Israelites year after year after year have been praying that kingdom come. They've been praying for the Messiah. But God also answered his individual prayer. His individual prayer was also answered. It's interesting how many times. God will answer, God will, in God's infinite wisdom for how he answers the big issues of the world, he answers your prayer. Does that make sense? So intertwined with the overall will of God, your prayer will be answered. And that lets us know that our prayers should not just be a benefit for us. So they were barren. God answered the prayer to send the Messiah and then said, you know what? Your son will be the forerunner for that child. 
right? Isn't that, isn't that good? God gets two for one, right? He sends the Messiah and answers their prayer. And my prayer for you is that the things we desire, the things we're asking God for, does it line up with the overall prayer of Lord, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, right? Or is it these selfish prayers? And I, and I get it. I get it. They wanted to, a child and God wanted to save the whole world. And he answered both and intertwined them together. I'm going to answer your individual prayer because I see your heart but I'm also going to answer it in the context of the bigger vision. And I believe that's what God does for us today. So, um, man, I'm encouraged. I'm like, what? Um, God is always working on multiple levels. So your prayer, the answer to your prayer, isn't just for you. God wants to use you and the things that you're praying for to be a benefit for others. Allow your blessing to flow. He told Abraham, he said, by your seed, the whole world will be blessed. He told Jeremiah, or Zechariah, I'm just, just throwing out names. Zechariah, your prayer will be answered. Your prayer for the Messiah has been answered. And I'm also going to use your emptiness your faithfulness and give you a son. And that son will be the forerunner for the answered prayer for the nation. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, allow my prayer to be in line with your will so that the answer of my prayer furthers your kingdom. Oh, I'm preaching right now, but I want you to see the real people that are being impacted by the Christ, by the Christmas story. Right. So um, now now we have to deal with with Zechariah. You know, we have to deal with Zechariah. Zechariah says um, in what verse in Luke 118. Let me pull it up. And so how does Zechariah respond? Luke 118. And Zechariah said to the angel. How shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife is advanced in years. Now, on the surface, that doesn't sound horrible. Right? He says, how shall I know this? <clears throat> For now I'm an old man and my wife isn't advanced in years. So this sounds very similar to, um, to Abraham in Abraham 15.8. He said, oh Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Right? But here is the difference. Here is the difference. In, um, in Abraham's story, uh, before he said that in 15.8, in 15.6, the Bible says, and Abraham believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so Abraham heard God's word, believed it, and then said, well, how is this going to happen? I believe it's going to happen. How is it going to happen, right? Zechariah saying similar words, but had a different spirit. Saying similar words, but had a different spirit. Zechariah's response 
was not of I believe and how is it going to happen? It's like, I don't believe this is going to happen. We're old and we're aging years. I don't believe it. And because of that, God told, the angel told Zachariah, you know, first he's like, I'm Gabriel, the messenger of God. This is a word from God. That's why you should believe it. You should believe it because God said so, right? Go through, read the passage. Go, um, Gabriel says, um, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and bring this good news. But because of his unbelief, because of his, um, he's saying the same words, but his spirit was doubtful. Spirit was unbelief. God says, you know what? You won't talk. This is going to happen and I'm not going to allow you to speak against it. So his consequence for not believing, his consequence for having the wrong spirit, his consequence was he was not going to be able to talk. Now, let me tell you what happened in this series. When Zechariah, when the priest would go in and pray at the altar, right? They would come out and give a benediction, right? They would go in, pray at the altar, and they would come out because people were outside waiting for him, right? Because later you see, it said the people like, man, Zechariah is taking a long time here in the in the temple, right? In the tabernacle. So he's taking, oh, in the temple, he's taking a long time. So they, usually the person will come out and give a benediction. Zechariah comes out and can't talk. So the people realize, oh, something has happened. Something is going on, right? So um, the takeaway for real life is when God tells you something, Receive it with gladness. Receive it. We see um, Abraham said, how is this going to happen? Mary, we'll get to Mary next next episode. Mary said, how can this be seeing that I'm a virgin? So it's like they're saying similar things. Why does Zachariah get punished? Because it's not just what you say. It's the spirit for for. Confession is made with the mouth, but God looks at the heart, right? So sometimes we don't always say the right things. Sometimes we don't always do the right things, but God looks at the heart and says, okay, your heart is pure. Your heart is in the right place, right? And then we see that because God was doing a new thing, because God answered the prayer of Israel, he allowed this whole thing to happen in spite of that that moment of unbelief for Zechariah. So isn't that good? God can cover us. God can cover those moments of unbelief, those moments of, hey, I'm speaking the wrong thing. I don't believe the right way. God can cover us because the Bible says that Zechariah was a righteous man. Sometimes we have those moments of doubt. And but understand that God's purposes, God's plan will not be thwarted. Amen. Hallelujah. So, um so we talked about Joseph in the context of the Christmas story. We talk about Zechariah and Elizabeth in the context of the Christmas story. We may touch a little bit on Elizabeth with their relationship with Mary in an, in another episode. 
But the last one I want to briefly touch on, the next character, and I'll say characters, is that of the angels. We see throughout this whole story, they're there, but they can easily be missed, right? It was the angels that gave the message. It was Gabriel, the angel that gave a message to Zechariah. It was the angel that gave the message to Joseph, right? Joseph, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here is what's happening, son of David. Here, mighty man, kingly prince. Here's what's happening. It was the angels that gave, that come and tell Mary that you will uh, bear a child. It was the angels that warned the, the wise men not to go back to Herod. And it was the angels that sung at the birth of Christ. So quickly, I want to give a little insight on angels or a brief study of angelology, right? So angels are created beings. Um, and the Bible actually says that they are a little lower than the angels. I mean, I'm sorry. The Bible says in this form, we are a little lower than the angels, but in the end, we will judge angels. God has given humanity a unique position. We were created in the image of God. Angels don't have that same um, designation as being created in the image of God. Angels are messengers. Angels are those that God dispatches to do his will, right? The Bible says that angels, um, Bible says in Job 38, that when the world was being created, the angels were rejoicing, right? 28.6, uh, 28.7, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, right? So the angels were rejoicing as God, they were watching God create the world. So they've seen, just think about all that the angels have seen in the whole salvation story. They were there from the beginning, right? Uh, from the beginning of creation, they saw the work God creating the world. They saw the creation of Adam in God's image. They saw the fall of Adam and the promise for a redeemer. They saw as God called Abraham and said that I will bless the world through your seed as you made the covenant of Abraham. They saw as God worked and delivered Israel from Egypt. They saw the struggle of the divided kingdom and the united kingdom because they came and saw and were moving on God's behalf to fight the battles for the Israelites and so forth. They saw this whole process. And now the angels are seeing a continuation of the salvific, of the salvation plan. They are witnessing the, in, the incarnation of Christ. The word of God that they've seen throughout time is now being born as a baby. And they're called to announce to the people, to the humans in this process, hey, Zechariah, here's what's going to happen. Hey, day, or, um, hey, Joseph, here is what's going on. Hey, Mary, here's what's going on. So no wonder when the child is born, the earth, I mean, the host of heaven started singing glory to God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men, blah, blah, blah. Christmas pageant in the sky, blah, blah, blah. 
I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's maybe disrespectful. Christmas pageant in the sky is happening. The angels that have seen this whole story are now rejoicing that salvation is coming. They're rejoicing that Jesus has become man and is fulfilling this plan of salvation. See, those that know the whole story, those that have seen from the foundation of the world to the incarnation, and they also will see the end. They know that this is a momentous time. They know that the birth of Christ is a big deal. They know that this process of God redeeming his people is something that's worthy to be celebrated. And in this Christmas season, take the time to not just get caught up on the gift giving and on the on the Christmas cake and all this, but realize that celebrating the birth of Jesus, celebrating the the moment in history where God became man so that we can be saved. This is the story of Christmas. This is why we get excited about the Christmas season. This is why this is a holiday to be celebrated because of the coming of Jesus in human flesh redeemed humanity. And now we can live forever with him. So this is part one. There will be part two. There's a couple other characters that we want to show them in real life to get another perspective of what God is doing through these real people and how the Christmas story can impact us and change our life as well. All right. This is Lee Fuller. And this is the Bible in real life as we're discussing the characters and how they have to deal with the incarnation of Christ in their real life. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Talk to you later.